Empire. Solving the pricey secondary ticket marketplace. But leading up to a game, there are so many factors that um, are affected. Weather changes, injuries, substitutions, a new starting pitcher, even traffic. Things like that, that literally in the hours leading up to the game are changing what tickets are worth. That's Jason Shatsky, CEO of Ticket Rev, who is hoping to democratize the middleman in ticket resales. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. There has been a revolution in the secondary ticket market that went from scalping tickets to markets and ultimately preferred partners of teams and leagues. The fees associated are often not consumer friendly, and that's among other issues motivated behind the idea of ticket rev. Our guest this week is Jason Shatsky. He's the founder and the CEO of Ticket Rev, which is a buyer-driven marketplace for event tickets. They allows buyers the ability to name their price and sellers can accept bids in one click. It is potentially going to turn the secondary ticket market upside down. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. Listen, I'm a big sports fan. I like to go to a lot of games. I don't have season tickets. You know my story and you know where I'm going. Uh, this is this marketplace I on its whole, I agree with you, has issues. So give me the backdrop of Ticket Rev and why you wanted to start this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm in the same boat as you. Big big sports fan myself, love going to games, but hate the process of, of buying and reselling tickets. Um, it's uh, Ticketing is, is a necessary evil. It's the only way to um, experience our, our favorite players and teams live. Um, and uh, I'm someone, like I said, who's, who's been frustrated with the process and, and felt like they're there has to be a better way. Um, I've tried the other marketplaces, the other apps. Um, I've tried scalping tickets on the street. I've tried uh, going up to the box office um, and you always feel like you're stuck paying the highest prices um, and and not getting the best seats. And so I came up with an idea of how we could make the process of of buying and selling tickets better. Um, And uh, so that's what landed me here and, and super excited to chat with you today. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what that process is that is different from the other marketplaces. Yeah, absolutely. Our mission with Ticket Rev is to help fans find cheaper tickets um, and to help sellers be able to sell their inventory faster. Um, and so the way we do that um, is essentially by allowing buyers to name their price uh, for the tickets that they want. Um, so, for example, uh, let's say you and I want to go to um, an upcoming New York Yankees game. We go on Ticket Rev and say, hey, we'll take two tickets at $100 each located anywhere in the lower level. Um, just find us a seller for a particular game or even a particular series. Um, and then our platform uh, will send these offers directly to inventory holders for the game. Um, it'll provide them with an opportunity to be able to uh, not only accept the offer if they'd like to, um, but understand the market of how much fans are willing to spend for their tickets. Okay. Um, and where is this inventory? Is that located on the other secondary markets? Like how do you find the sellers? Yeah. So, I, I think a, a big misconception and what people don't realize in ticketing is that most of the inventory on the secondary market uh, is actually owned by ticket brokers and, and, and professional ticket resellers, um, for lack of a better word. Um, and, and so it's actually a, a much smaller percentage of 
season ticket holders or, or folks like you and I who have tickets for a game or show and can't go anymore, um, but rather people who are holding, you know, four, five, six figures worth of inventory. Um, and so we're able to work directly with these ticket brokers um, who have inventory for um, different games and, and teams and, and uh, be able to work directly with them, provide them with these offers, and then they have the uh, ability to uh, accept or, or, or not these, these requests that come into our platform. All right. I, I, let me ask a sausages made question. How do they get all the tickets in the first place? Yeah. I mean, essentially if, if you think about it, team, team revenue and ticket sales is, is proportional to team performance, right? If, if a team is, uh, if, if a team is number one in the standings, they're going to sell more tickets. Um, but the reality is that every team, no matter what the franchise is, is going to have volatile, uh, is going to have a volatile trajectory over five years or, or a decade or even more. And so to, uh, to offset that risk, teams will often make deals with, with these ticket brokers, or I like to call them professional ticket resellers, um, in order to guarantee them a certain amount of inventory, a certain amount uh, of revenue, um, that isn't necessarily tied to team performance and these, uh, ticket brokers are taking the risk on selling the inventory on the secondary market. Um, teams are very strategic in, in how they um, sell their inventory. They'll they'll cap a certain amount on uh, season tickets. Uh, they'll have a certain amount for brokers. They'll keep a certain amount for uh, groups and parties and things like that. And then they'll have a certain amount of, of individual tickets that you can purchase, you know, at the box office leading up to the game. Um, you know, because they want to make sure that they can capitalize on the potential revenue if the team is performing well. Okay, so let's go back to your example where you and I want to go to a Yankees game. We're only willing to spend a hundred bucks a ticket, but we do want to be in the lower level. But we're not that picky. We're willing to take anywhere in the lower level in Yankee Stadium. Um, and the recent, obviously, what we're looking at anywhere else, that price is low. Um, so what motivates the ticket brokers to give it to you at the price that we're asking? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a common question that we get. Um, and the reality is that ticket sellers are competing with everyone else, right? The only way right now, prior to, prior to ticket rev existing is for a seller to, uh, try and predict what their tickets are worth by looking at, uh, historical data, uh, by looking at what other sellers have their tickets listed at. Um, but what TicketRev does is we provide this real-time data um, that otherwise um, doesn't exist, right? If you think we could stick with the we could stick with the New York Yankees game, for example, leading up to a game, there are so many factors that um, are affected: weather changes, injuries, substitutions, a new starting pitcher, even traffic, things like that. That literally in the hours leading up to the game are changing what tickets are worth. Um, and sellers have no way of actually knowing this value um, other than. Uh, just decreasing their price based on what other people have their tickets listed at. Um, and so we are providing this real-time data to sellers. They have the ability to set, to accept it. Um, and, and you'd be surprised at how many, uh, at how many tickets actually end up going unsold um, because, because sellers don't have the right, uh, the right data on what their tickets are worth and, and how to accurately. I, I mean, I wouldn't um, be watch any game on any night and you'll see outside the NBA playoffs are going on. The stadiums are sold out, but pick your example of a Yankees game or the other night, my favorite baseball team, the nationals played Shohei Otani and he's pitching and the stadium's empty. So I'm going to guess that ticket brokers thought a Shohei Otani start would get a certain price. And it didn't that night. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's why a lot of times, uh, when the teams release the attendance numbers, uh, they're not saying how many people actually went through the gate. 
uh, but rather how many tickets were sold, right? And there's there's often a big difference there. Um, and so it's 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 really interesting how how that works and how the value continues to change. Okay. Um, all right. I saw a clip with you pitching uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, and he asked you the question: "You're doing this. What's going to stop Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, you know, the other um, StubHub, the major secondary markets from going? Great idea. Let's just take it from you." And I liked how you answered it. Could could you kind of repeat that for our audience of why you're looking at this and why this is something that doesn't get just usurped by the bigger platforms? Yeah. I mean, the reality is that that we we've been we've been working on ticket for for quite some time, and and the the concept of this buyer driven market or this reverse marketplace um, is not it's not new. It exists in other industries, um, but it, it hasn't been successful in, in in ticketing. We believe that that we're the ones that that can do this from a startup and from an entrepreneurship perspective. Um, and and the reality is that a concept like this is not a feature or a, a, a product launch of another marketplace of another marketplace, right? This is a, this is, this is, this needs to be a standalone product. If you look at the current ticketing landscape, right? You've got the, the, the major marketplaces in StubHub, SeatGeek, TickPick, uh, GameTime and Vivid. And each one of them has a, has a small differentiating feature, right? SeatGeek has their best value ratings. TickPick has their no fees. GameTime has their last minute process. Um, most of this is the same inventory, right? If you open up, uh, three, four, five different tabs. You're going to see a lot of the same inventory. Sellers are distributing their inventory uh, on all these different marketplaces, and so sellers love distribution. Um, and and we believe that from a fan and buyer perspective, um, we're targeting the fans who uh, want the best value on tickets. Who um, maybe is a casual fan who knows that the Angels are are coming into DC for a three game series, and I don't care which one of those three they go to, as long as um as long as they can see Mike Trout, for example. Um, you know, from a from a, a pure business perspective, look at concepts like uh, Airbnb and and Uber and DoorDash. Right, these are companies that um, aren't necessarily uh, proprietary in the technology. Yeah. It's about the brand and it's about the execution. Okay, um, let me ask this then. Okay, if the object for all of the parties, the teams, the leagues, the sellers. Um, and the secondary markets is just to sell more tickets and get more people in the building. Why aren't they doing this? Yeah, because the the biggest issue with that is you have to maintain the value, um, the value of the ticket, right? And so an obvious way to increase people going to the game uh, is to lower prices, right? And, and and that the problem there is that it devalues it devalues the product. The reality is that fans want to feel like they're getting a deal, right? And so if a team drops ticket prices from $10 to $5 to $1, if other people can get them at that price, it doesn't necessarily feel like a deal. It's less about it's less about a specific budget and more about value, right? That's what we've seen. Yeah. Um, and so the way that our product works is you actually go on, when you go on our platform and select a team or an artist that you want to see, you're going to see a, a suggested range of what we um, project is a good offer. Um, and we have a lot of users that will actually uh, put their put their request just below that um, because they want to feel like they're getting a deal. Um, so there's a hard, there's a orange horizontal bar on our app. Um, a small portion of it is green, requested range. Um, if you want to make sure that that you're going to get your request accepted, we're generally suggesting to go uh, lower to middle of that bar. Um, but we find a lot of people who 
like I said, are, are going just below it to um, <laughs> yeah. try and get a deal. I don't know if your goal at some point is to work directly with leagues and teams, but with that discussion of they don't want to devalue their product or the price, how does that coexist if you wanted to have partnerships with teams and leagues and they know that not for every game, but for some, for sure, uh, the price of the tickets are going to go down from the number that they would intend and want it to be. Right. So teams have historical data um, on, on when prices drop, right? There's, there's obviously fans, some fans who attempt to wait until closer to the event um, in hopes of a price drop. Sometimes it works, uh, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but like I said, the real key for us is providing this real-time data, both to, to resellers um, and, and also to teams. And so part of the model um, is to be able to work directly with teams. Um, ultimately, our vision uh, is to change the way that tickets are purchased in giving fans uh, more power in the experience, right? The, the 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 problem at hand here is not just that tickets are expensive, but the fact that sellers are the ones controlling how tickets are exchanged. Right? Yes. So our our vision um, is to give buyers more power, more freedom in this process, and to get buyers used to being able to uh, name their own price and have the ability to go uh, for a certain budget. I mean, um, it's interesting because like everybody who's on any airplane paid a different price for the tickets that they paid to get onto the airplane. They just don't know that. Right. So I suppose similarly that could be, I guess that's happening at sports events too. So when we talk about what's the value of something, well, if you don't know what I paid to get in, what's the difference really? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point. Um, And you know, I, 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 I compare airlines and tickets a lot, and, and I, I mentioned this before, but they're both necessary evils, right? Everyone wants to, everyone wants to travel, everyone wants to go to games, but uh, nobody likes the process of buying tickets for, for either of them. Um, and, and, and to your point, uh, people at a game, they want to they think they spent less than the person next to them and the person behind them or in front of them. Um, and, and so what's really great about our product um, is if tickets are currently valued at, let's say, $50 and, and you put up a $40 offer, um, if there's a price drop, if prices fall, our technology will automatically um, purchase the purchase those tickets for you, right? So you find a lot of people are constantly checking uh, different airline websites in in the event that they're flying, um, or checking different uh, ticket sites to try and figure out what day, what time can I find the best deal, how far out. Um, but our system does that automatically for you. Okay, um, obviously this is a very timely conversation. Uh, even Congress is looking into Ticketmaster and all sorts of what's happening in that marketplace, whether they have monopolies, whether the fees that they're charging are too exorbitant. Um, can you just kind of broadly tell me what you're looking at as, as you watch everyone kind of look at this industry and try to figure out what's next for it? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it all revolves around pricing, right? This is a business and um, just like any other business, people want to make as much money as possible. And so when we see issues with Ticketmaster, for example, um, my belief is that what they're doing is trying to figure out what is the absolute maximum that we can charge for these tickets. Um, you know, it's, it's from the perspective of an artist or a team, when they see sales on the secondary market that are higher than, than what they sell them for, their thought is how can we maximize on what the end user um, is, is, is going to pay? Um, and so I believe that what's happening with these releases on uh, Ticketmaster and other platforms is they're releasing a certain amount 
um, of tickets. They're measuring demand based on site traffic, waitlist signups, et cetera. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, as they're measuring demand, they're able to raise prices and, and basically show um, limited inventory as if the event is going to sell out um, in, in hopes of catching that, uh, that fear of, of missing out. Um, but the reality today uh, in, in, in this ticketing world uh, is that the initial on sale is not always the best time um, to be to be buying tickets. Right? A lot of people are are, are used to the um, the first on sale minute being the time where ticket prices are lowest, and, and that's not the case anymore. And so I think we see, um, you know, for, from my perspective, um, I see the value that Ticket Rev brings long term as being able to be um, the the platform that is collecting data on the true demand of tickets, right? I, I used the term real-time data before. Yeah. Um, and at scale, we have the data um, on what all of, on what fans are willing to pay. Um, and, and so rather than artists or teams or platforms um, investing time and resources and energy and labor into trying to predict what's the most that people will spend, um, our platform is literally set up where we ask them, how much will you pay? for these tickets yep um okay you but you guys aren't a charity either so how are you thinking through fair fees for for doing these transactions for people yeah so so right now we uh we do not charge buyers any fees uh we are only taking a commission from the seller um as in one of the things when we first started was figuring out like how do people feel about ticketing and, and one of the uh things that has spoiled people from even wanting um, to buy tickets online or on their phone um, is the fees that are associated uh, with tickets. And so right I'm one now, of those people that when yeah, I put in yeah. for a ticket and then I find out it is 25 to 30% higher at checkout, I'm furious, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost something people, people go in feeling uneasy because they know that that's going to happen. And you never, you never know what the percentage really is going to be on the fees. And it's, and it's interesting. A lot of people have said to me, well, why don't they just all show, the total price. And, and, um, you know, I'm sure that they've done their research and, and find that more sales convert when that happens at checkout and, and it sucks and it, it makes the entire industry look bad. Um, and, and so, you know, what we've decided to do is, is not charge buyers any fees. Um, so when you come on our platform and you submit a request for $100, you are paying $100. Um, there, there's nothing additional on that. Um, we are only making money from the seller. Okay. All right. Last thing. Um, it seems that you have some form of vision of what buying a ticket to a game looks like in the future. So do you have a utopian view of how we are going to go to sporting events or concerts or things like that? Um, I, uh, in terms of a utopian view, I think there's so many cool things that I've, that I have heard. Um, one of the ones that I think is most fascinating um, is is not actually having a ticket on your phone, um, but then somehow knowing uh, that it's you or, or or your or your eyes or your your body scan as you walk through that knows that you own that ticket. Um, so I've heard I've heard that rumor, which I think is super cool. Um, but ultimately, I I think that um, the future in ticketing is buyers first, giving more power back to fans, um, and ultimately creating a way that, that people get to see their favorite teams or artists without that anxiety and that stress of um, no freedom, all the fees um, and, and, and just, just a way that, that people feel empowered to want to experience live more. We're, we're in a world now post pandemic where we've seen a lot of things shift um, 
shift virtually, but something that's never uh, going to go away is being able to experience uh, seeing your favorite team or seeing your favorite artist live. Um, and so I'm incredibly excited about the future and, and um, how live events ultimately bring people together. Okay, last thing, my 13-year-old daughter wants to see Taylor Swift. Is there a way yep. that you could help me do that without me selling my house? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. There are um, There's a lot of Taylor Swift inventory that exists. Obviously, prices are high. Um, we've seen a number of users be successful um, on our platform in, in finding Taylor Swift tickets. Again, we provide a suggested range um, of what we think is the best request to send to sellers. And, and um, so we always recommend checking out our app. Um, we're available in, in, in every city in the U.S. Um, you can download it today on, on iPhone or uh, Android by searching Ticket Rev, Ticket R-E-V. Um, you, know, you can search for Taylor Swift um, and, and submit a request and we'll do our best to find a seller. Jason Shatsky is the founder of the CEO of Ticket Rev. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. On the next Future Sport podcast, you can buy stock in potential rising stars. Um, however, for us, it's very important that we give, basically with Pantheon, we give every player the chance to get there, right? Because if you are today a 16-year-old player um, and you have to stop basically playing tennis, then you will never basically have the option to, to you know, become Nishikori, become Rochefort, become Serena Rims, etc. That's Jonathan Ludwig, CEO of Fantium, which is supporting athletes who don't have the requisite funding to potentially reach stardom. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.